Please be seated. At this time, I invite you to find the uh, blue insert here labeled Faithful and Free for our first of a four-part stewardship focus here. Grace, mercy, and peace be yours in the name of God the Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The section of the Bible which will serve as a basis for the sermon today is a verse from Matthew chapter 6 where Jesus said, and I quote, No one can serve two masters. Dear friends in Christ, we go to school to be equipped to earn it. Then we spend the rest of our lives getting it. We invest countless hours and thought on how we're going to handle it. We walk through the stores or go online determining how we're going to spend it. We often get caught worrying about that we don't have enough of it. We dream and are ever tempted to scheme of ways to acquire more of it. We have arguments about it. In fact, it is one of the leading causes of marital dissatisfaction. The absence of it can cause sleepless nights. In fact, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10 says, the love of it is the root of all kinds of evil. This much is certain we cannot ignore how important it is to us. And in one word, everybody, what is it? Yeah. That's right. I'm glad you didn't say the Vikings. Yes, it's, it's, it's money. It is. Now, the thing is, because of its importance to us, God himself, of course, does not ignore it at all. In fact, quite the opposite. If you were to take a look at your blue page here, you might see a fill in the blank. It says the Bible contains roughly blank verses on money and possessions. Any guesses here on what that number might be? Someone be brave and take a shot at it. 60. 60. Can I get a 70? Can I get a 70? Can I? We need to take that number and we need to make that number four digits. 2,000 if you're filling in blanks. Roughly 2,000 verses on money and possession in scriptures, which, by the way, is more than prayer, faith, and love. Hmm. Now this is kind of an interesting thing here to give you just kind of a perspective on why we want to be talking about this. Because really that's a question I always want to answer at the beginning of every single stewardship series, which is the question, why? Why did Jesus speak so much about money and possessions? I'll ask you, is it because Jesus wanted money and was interested in possessions? Is that it? <laughs> no, of course that's not it. But then of course when it comes to his church, when the church speaks about money, there's always a very quick assumption. The church is talking about money because the church, all the church wants, you know how it is, is money. That's how it's always said. And I gotta tell you, Simply what that is, is, is slander. It really is. It's slander. And I know this because very often I'm the one doing the talking on Sunday, and I can tell you how very little I've actually talked about money. 
Now, I am aware that there are churches that have talked about money in unfaithful and harmful ways. I'm very aware of that. But that simply is not the case. And what very often happens is just with that word money, what happens inside of us is we can start to tighten up. We can sometimes get self-protective. Oh, this is going to be uncomfortable. I sure hope not all four weeks are going to be about this. Let me go back to this. Why did Jesus talk about it so much? Well, the answer is something we find here in the Bible verse on your blue page. Take a look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. Jesus said, what? No one can serve two masters. Either you hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both what and what? It's one or the other. It's almost like there's a guy standing before a gal and she's saying to her, hey, it's either me or him. It's one of the two. Okay? You could either have one or the other, but you cannot have both. In other words, what he's saying here is the reason that he spoke about it is that we love it. And we're always tempted to love it. Do you remember the opening to the sermon? It was just like two minutes ago. If we're worrying about it, thinking about it, having sleepless nights about it, trying to figure out ways to get more of it, if we're doing all these things with it, there's a good chance that's happening because we love it. It has such an important part in our life. So why did Jesus talk about money. He spoke about money not because he wanted money. Here's the paradox. You can fill in the blank. He wanted instead what? You. And you can fill in the blank and make it personal and say me. He spoke about money not because he wanted money. He spoke about money because he wants me. This is actually God's love. He spoke about it because he wants me all to himself. He doesn't want to share me with anyone or anything else. Such is God's love for you and for me. And so it is that Jesus didn't talk about money because he wanted money. And this stewardship series, I'm happy to say, has nothing to do with, quote, the church wanting money or the church needing money. It has absolutely nothing to do with that. Instead, we're going to talk about having a proper relationship with God that he's going to make us, quote, faithful and free. Faithful and free. So that we have a proper relationship with him and a proper relationship with money. Where money is not our master here on the page. Instead, it is to be your what under number two? Not your master, but your servant. We have 2,000 Bible verses to talk about, and we're going to cover them all. Wait, I'm just seeing if you're still listening. All right. Or not, maybe we'll miss one or two along the way. But the whole point is that he's going to say, because you are free, that means that we can be faithful. 
with what he has blessed us with. All right, so we're going to start then our four-week series with this particular statement here, the one at the bottom of the page. It says, how I spend my money indicates to what degree I honor the Lord. And that comes from the Bible verse that you see right above it from Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9, which says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your produce. The degree to which I uh, spend my money indicates the degree to which I honor the Lord. So it is to say, what do you do with your wealth? What do you do with it? Do you honor the Lord with what he has given you? That's really the very simple question. And to that end, I was doing a little research, and it say, of course we do something with our wealth, and that's spend. We spend it, and one way or another, it's going to get spent. And I found that there are, in the world, if you will, five types, pardon me, six types of spenders. And here they are, if you flip the page over here. The first type of spender, what we do with our wealth, is the impulsive spender, the impulsive spender. Now, you know how this goes. You see something on TV that's a great deal, or online there's a banner that makes you click on it, or you're walking through the store and there's a rack that says 50% off, and you spend, if you will, $100 on something that was $200. And you come home and you very excitedly say, I saved $100. Why? I think you might have spent $100, but you're all excited, you see it, you have to have it. There's the impulsive spender. Then there is the number two, the compulsive spender. This is someone who has an unmet need in his or her life, and they believe that somehow purchasing something will fill that need, that there'll be satisfaction and happiness. In other words, it's an escape mechanism. If you are in this category, it's like, I'm sad, I'm lonely and stressed, and so I will shop. That's the compulsive spender. Then there is the boredom spender. I have nothing to do, therefore I will purchase. There was a woman who had her credit card stolen in this category, a boredom spender. She went to cancel her credit cards. And her husband said, no, 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 don't do that. And she said, why? And he said, well, I think the thieves will spend a little less. <laughs> They're in marriage counseling now, just so you know. Now, then there is the special interest spender, number four. Now, the special interest spender is a spender who has everything in order, but that one special interest where he or she just goes crazy. There was a pastor talking about a time he was coming back from a conference and he was on the plane with a guy coming back from a Harley Davidson convention. And the guy actually was just talking, he says, yeah, I love Harleys. He said, I absolutely live for Harleys. And he talked about how he was currently reconditioning his second bike. And then he showed him where he was getting his second tattoo for his second bike on his arm. And the pastor just happened to comment. He said, you know, say, uh, how much does all that run you? And he said, well, actually, a lot more than I can manage. And he laughed and he said, my wife isn't actually too happy with me right now. 
Come to think of it, she wasn't all that happy with me when I went to last year's convention either. Could you believe this, Pastor? She says that I love the bikes more than I love her. The pastor said, you don't say. What did his spending say? What did he love? Hmm. You wonder if God could have said the same thing that his wife said to him. What does his spending say? Everything together but that one special interest that takes up absolutely everything. It can be anything from Harleys to camera equipment to golf, hunting, boating, you name it. And then number five, there is the status spender. Now, the status spender is the person who has to have something that, if you will, gives them status. You have to have the trendiest clothes, the latest tech phone or car, because when you have those things, supposedly it says something to who you, ha who you are and you have status. Now, regardless of those categories, and maybe you found yourself in one or two of them, where does this spending actually get us? Husbands and wives very often become alienated. We can be uptight because of our bills. We're not just in financial trouble, but we're in financial bondage. Next week, we're going to be talking about debt. And the week after that, we're going to be talking about Christian budgeting. And when it comes to the work of the Lord, somehow we seem woefully short. We're not tithers, but we're tippers at best. And sometimes when we're looking for that item to fulfill something in our life, somehow we find that we're still somehow empty. We're not first fruits people, but leftovers people. Giving is unplanned, haphazard, unorganized, and the work of the Lord suffers, as does our relationship with God. We, in other words, we are living and spending, demonstrating that what we love the most is not necessarily God. But there is one more spender. You notice I said there were six, and I only listed five. And the sixth type of spender is the one who is faithful and free in Jesus. Now, if we want to be this type of spender, and I'm going to suggest this is a tremendous blessing, we have to look at the biggest, most faithful spender of all time. Do you know who the biggest, most faithful spender of all time is? Do you know who that is? It's Jesus. And you might say to yourself, well, wait a minute, what did Jesus purchase? What exactly did he spend on? I don't remember anything in scripture about that. Well, we've already touched on this. Jesus spent everything on what? Yeah, you can say us, me. He spent everything. He is the biggest, most faithful spender in all the world for all time. This is the time of Lent. And of course, in Lent, the first Sunday in Lent, you always have the story of the temptation of Jesus. And I'm going to simply tell you what the temptation was. There were three temptations of Jesus, but all of them were really the same. It was Satan trying to get Jesus to use his power for himself. For Jesus to say, I'm going to put me first to end my suffering and show my power. Instead, Jesus laid that all down, foreshadowing the cross 
where he would put us first. And when he shed his blood, he made a purchase. And that's us. Take a look at your blue page. Remember the second article of the Creed in its explanation? That Jesus, and what's that word? Purchased and won me away from sin's death and the power of the devil. And he didn't do it with gold or silver, did he? His holy, precious blood and his innocent suffering and death. And by the way, this is my favorite line, that I may be his own. This is awesome. We belong to him. He bought us. I don't belong to sin. You don't belong to sin. You don't belong to Satan. You don't belong to death. You don't belong to any of those things. You belong to grace and life and freedom that is in Jesus Christ who shed his blood for you on the cross. That I can live in his kingdom and serve him in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness. And then it follows that because I belong to Jesus, I am free from sin and called even to be faithful in my spending. It all comes together. Jesus freed us from this. He is faithful to us. All the times where we can be faithless in our spending, he remains faithful to us. The times that maybe we half-hazardly didn't do any planning for giving at all, or did it half-hazardly, as I said, he was planning for our salvation and still does. All the times where my spending says that I love someone else other than him, he says, I love you. And you're forgiven from that, and you are free. Honor the Lord with your wealth, and we have been freed to be faithful to do just that. And what then does it mean to be faithful? Well, I would suggest one thing here uh, for us today. If you remember the verse that we read, it said, Honor the Lord with your wealth, and I'm going to give you one word here, with the first fruits of your produce. And this is how I'm going to come to an end here today. The sixth kind of giver is the first fruits giver. Now, what is this word first fruits? Actually, just a curiosity, raise your hand if you've heard the word first fruits, because it's a weird word that we don't hear. Some of you have heard it before in church, but it's a biblical word. We don't hear it very often. First fruits was the faithful offering of biblical days. The fruits meant that you actually were giving an offering that was very often produce. Now, I'm not suggesting you do that. I don't want to see like a cucumber or a tomato in the offering plate. That would be a little, little weird, okay? But the second part of it is that you gave first. In other words, you didn't take care of yourself first. The first thing you did is in faithfulness and freedom and joy and thanksgiving, you actually simply gave your offering to God. It means before you pay your mortgage, you actually set up your offering to God. And people think, well, I can't, what? I, I, don't, I don't think I can do that. That's, that's scary. That's very difficult. I, I don't know. Well, if we don't know, that still means that money is keeping us in bondage. 
to be faithful is to trust in God, that the God who shed his blood for me is going to take care of me. The God who put me first is going to take care of me when I put him first. The God that actually has laid down his life for me is going to bless me when I put him first. That we actually start with God. That we honor the Lord with our wealth. As a demonstration that just as he loves us, we in turn in freedom and thanksgiving love him as well. We do that at home. We pray about it. We think about it. And in other words, we demonstrate that we are free. And here's the cool part. When you put God first, all those other spending things, you can spend and enjoy. And those things are great because then when we put God first, they're in their place. And God has blessed us then with means to enjoy all sorts of things in this life. And then we'll have peace when we do it, but only when he is number one. The first fruits. So this is the end of our first particular stewardship series sermon. Next week, we're going to talk a little bit about debt. We're going to talk about budgeting. We're going to talk about the joy of being faithful and free. But I simply want you to go home this week and do some praying. Just do some praying. God, help me. Help me to be faithful and free. You have freed me to be faithful. Help me to be such to the glory of your name. Amen. And may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding watch and guard your hearts and minds in Jesus.